morning, UUCC. My name is Tim Latimer, and my pronouns are he, him, his. It's my honor to serve as Congregational President and President of your Board of Trustees. I'm delighted to welcome you to this virtual worship with the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. As we begin, we honor the Piscataway people and their ancestors. It is upon their land that we in Columbia reside. We are served by the Reverend Paige Getty, minister, as well as a talented and dedicated team of religious educators, musicians, and other professional staff. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whomever you love, and whatever your faith tradition, you are welcome here. We especially welcome any guests who are watching this service. 
We hope that you might join us in the future when we return to worship at the Owen Brown Interfaith Center so that we will have a chance to meet and welcome you in person. Now, before moving on to our announcements, I also want to offer a word of thanks to all in our community who are striving to keep us connected and to provide meaningful worship services during this unusual and trying time. We are grateful for their efforts. And I especially wanna give a shout out to our tech team that week in and week out takes hours and hours of prep time to do the work necessary to make these services possible. So a real special thanks to all of them. And now I have a few announcements. The planning has begun for UUCC's 42nd annual auction and the auction team is excited to invite you to mark your calendars for Saturday, November 13th. If you are interested in supporting UUCC by joining the auction team, the team would love for you to reach out. Have you recently signed the virtual membership form? Do you feel like you are ready to deepen your relationship with UUCC and are considering membership? Or maybe you've been a friend or returning visitor and are interested in learning more about membership. If so, you're invited to a membership session with Reverend Page and Sarah Davidson on Wednesday, June 16th at 6 p.m. You may learn more and find out how to RSVP through the link that is in the chat. The second Sunday outreach offering team is seeking outside organizations to be recipients of our second Sunday offering. And the team invites your nominations. You may learn more through the link in the chat. And finally, a reminder that UUCC's annual meeting will take place virtually next Sunday, June 6th at 6.30 p.m. All UUCC members are encouraged to attend and must register in advance. You may check out the annual meeting webpage to register and to view the meeting materials. Thank you. Thank you, Tim, and good morning, UUCC. My name is Paige Getty. My pronouns are she and hers, and it is my great privilege to serve as minister of this congregation. I'm glad to see all of you this morning. If you're a newcomer, please take a minute to fill out our visitor form so that we can stay better in touch with you and become acquainted. If you'd like to follow along in the order of service, it is available for you to download online. Jen will put that link in the chat. And also, if you have a personal joy or a sorrow that you would like to have spoken in this service today, please email that to joysandsorrows at uucolumbia.net, and we will honor what you've shared later in the service. Thank you to Tim and Tom and Kelly and the tech team and the virtual ushers and Melissa who has stepped in to receive and compile Joys and Sorrows submissions after Kim has done that job for 60 Sundays in a row, if I counted correctly. And a special thanks to Jenna Rose and Nathan Sanchez, who are members of our UUCC community and who also serve or have served in the armed forces. Thanks to the two of you for lending your voices to today's service. Today we honor Memorial Day, a designated day for remembering those who have died while serving in the United States military, and particularly while serving in wartime. As Unitarian Universalist Army Chaplain George Tiger writes, the memories, 
the ghosts of children lost, of parents grieving, are necessary reminders of the futility of war and the desperate need for peace in our world. I serve in the U.S. Army, he writes. I support the readiness of those who have and will fight and win the wars our civilian leaders call us to fight. I love the people I am called to serve, knowing full well the dreadful reality we will one day face again. How then can I speak of peace? This is the difficulty of a holiday like Memorial Day. Memorial Day, he says, is not to be celebrated. It is to be observed, scrutinized, and witnessed on behalf of the true witnesses of our human failure to love our neighbors as ourselves. They are ghosts now, haunting lives with the gift of remembrance so that we will not forget their living, but even more that the grief of remembering will create in us a yearning for peace that will stir us to action. So here at the start of worship this morning, we're going to enjoy a cheerful anthem from our stay-at-home choir, celebrating spring and the month of Maying. Later in the service, we'll celebrate the children of the Cradle Rock Children's Center. But at the heart of our service today is Memorial Day which we observe not to romanticize violence and militarism, not to celebrate war, but to honor the war dead and to recommit ourselves to peacemaking. So as you listen now to the ringing of the bell, I invite you to take a deep breath, to center yourself, to open your mind and your body, your heart, and sit with these words excerpted from the poem, When Great Trees Fall by Maya Angelou. When great souls die, after a period, peace blooms, slowly and always irregularly. Spaces fill with a kind of soothing electric vibration. Our senses restored, never to be the same, whisper to us. They existed. They existed. We can be. Be and be better. For they existed. Each with 
morning gladness doth laugh at winter's sadness. Fa la 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 la, fa la 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 la. The spring clad all in gladness doth laugh at winter's sadness. Fa la 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 la, fa la 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 la. And to the bagpipe song, the nymphs tread out their ground. Fa la 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 la. To the bagpipe song, the nymphs tread out their ground. La 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 la. Five and my sit we musing, you sweet delight refusing. La 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 la, la 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 la. Five and my sit we musing, you sweet delight refusing. La 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 la. Say dainty nymphs and speak. Shall we play barley grain? Say dainty nymphs and speak. Shall we play barley grain? Thank you, choir. And now if you have a chalice at home, I invite you to light it as I light the one here and as we hear these words of poetry. Good morning, my name is Nathan Sanchez. My pronouns are he, him, and his. The young dead soldiers do not speak. Nevertheless, they're heard in the still houses. Who has not heard them? They have a silence that speaks for them at night and when the clock counts. They say we were young, we have died, remember us. They say we have done what we could, but until it is finished, it is not done. They say we have given our lives, but until it is finished, no one can know what our lives gave. They say our deaths are not ours, they are yours. They will mean what you make them. They say whether you live, whether our lives and our deaths were for peace and a new hope or for nothing we cannot say. It is you who must say this. We leave you our deaths, give them meaning. We were young, they say, we have died, remember us. Thank you, Nate, for the heart and the words. Will you all join together now in speaking our congregational covenant, words written by this congregation in promise to and with one another? Let's speak together. Strengthened by our common humanity and inspired by our seven principles, we promise to be a safe and welcoming community, to nurture each other's hearts and spirits, to delight in the beauty of our diversity, to struggle together on our spiritual journeys and to challenge each other to live our values. Thus, we pledge our time and vigor to the continuing celebration of spirit, of the world, and of humankind. And now as our hosts allow you to unmute yourselves for a moment, you're invited to greet one another and see all of the lovely people who are gathered together this morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning.
Please join me in singing hymn 159, This Is My Song. This is my song, O God of all the nations, a song of peace for lands afar and mine. This is my home, the country where my heart is. Here are my hopes, my dreams. skies are bluer than the ocean, and sunlight beams on clover leaf and pine. But other lands have sunlight too, and clover, and skies are Good morning. My name is Kelly Daniker. My pronouns are she and hers, and it is my distinct joy to serve as the religious education assistant at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. Just this past week, on May 23rd to be exact, legendary beloved children's author Eric Carle passed away. During his life, Carle spoke about the influence that his father had on him. In speaking to NPR in 2007, Carl remembered his father taking him for long walks and explaining things to him, pointing out spider webs and bird's nest, opening his eyes, he said, to the beauties and mysteries in a child's landscape. But as Carl told the New York Times in 2007, disaster struck when his father was drafted into the German army and soon became a prisoner of war in Russia. When his father returned home from the war, he weighed 85 pounds, Carl recalled. He was a broken man, a sick man, psychologically, physically devastated. 
currently 44% of active duty military members have children and 43% of those serving in the reserves have children. Since 2001, approximately 2 million children in military families have experienced a parent's deployment. During that time, over 41,000 children have experienced a deployed service member parent being killed, wounded, or injured. As soldiers are called upon to deploy to war zones around the world, those that they leave behind and return home to are called to serve as well. They carry the burden of knowing that their loved ones are in harm's way. They carry the burden of separation and they carry the burden of the sacrifice that military life in general requires. This morning, I am not going to speak for the children of military families, but rather I'm gonna share with you their words. In April of 2012, children whose families were stationed at F.E. Warren Air Force Base in Wyoming were asked to write short essays that spoke to their life as a military child. Here's just a bit of what they had to say. First grader Lakeisha said, my name is Lakeisha. I have lived in Georgia and North Carolina. My life is sad because my dad goes away a lot. I have a lot of friends whose parents are in the military, but I'm still sad and I miss my dad. Ninth grader Katie says, my life as a military child has been a long, hard journey. I've made many friends, none of whom I will forget. I've had many places to call home, most of which I still do. Letting go of friends is hard, but one thing you learn early on is that no matter how many friends you leave behind, you always have your family to lean on. Fourth grader Kayla says, being a military child, I have lived in three different places, Omaha, Nebraska, Sacramento. In Cheyenne, it was my first time living on a base. I liked all the places I live, but I like California the best. We had a cat. Seventh grader Tori says, my life as a military child is okay. I don't like all the moving and making new friends. A plus though is you have many more friends. I wish that we didn't have to move so much and that we could just stay in one place for a while. My life as a military child is fun. We have lots of stuff to do on base and we get to play. I like all the activities we do and all the parks all over the bases. The part I hate most about being a military child is that you don't get to see your parents when they deploy. You don't get to see them for a while and you never really get used to it. I hate that part the most. This morning, as we honor the sacrifices of those who serve in the military, I ask us to hold space to honor their children, to hear their words, to acknowledge their sacrifice, and to be ever mindful that when a soldier serves, their families, their children serve as well. Have a great morning, UCC. Thank you, Kelly. We continue honoring children this morning because it's a fifth Sunday in May. And every time we have a fifth Sunday in a month, we take up a special outreach offering that we give away to the Cradle Rock Children's Center, which is our resident child care center and preschool in the Owen Brown Interfaith Center.
And this morning, we have the special treat of seeing the children themselves and not just one of the grown-ups who would typically talk about them. As we view a one of the videos that they have on their website as part of their virtual tour, tour, and then with a brief few words at the end from Executive Director Amanda Morton. So I hope you'll enjoy this brief video, and I encourage you to be generous with your contributions to today's Fifth Sunday Outreach Offering for CCC. Our preschool department comprises of three classrooms of 20 children each and a classroom ratio of one teacher to 10 children in each. Whether your preschool child has been in a centre since birth or attending a centre for the first time, this can be a challenging and yet exciting stage for both parent and child. At Crater Rock Children's Centre, we want to ensure that our parents feel supported and included in this integral stage of their child's life. Parents are offered the opportunity to virtually meet their child's teachers, discuss plans for the year, set goals at home and at school, and provide resources to support a smooth transition from home care to group care or from classroom to classroom. Our preschool uses a state-approved creative curriculum to provide a comprehensive early literacy program designed to equip children with the skills and knowledge for success in school and life. Here at CCC, we place great emphasis on fostering a strong social and emotional foundation together with executive functioning and critical thinking skills. You can expect your child to learn concepts and skills associated with oral language and literacy through reinforced vocabulary and conversational exchange, including alphabet knowledge and early writing. You can expect your preschooler to engage in in-depth studies of real-world topics. Projects have a complex but flexible framework within which teaching and learning are interactive processes, and as a result, students feel highly motivated in their own learning, leading them to produce high-quality work and grow as individuals and collaborators. Within the preschool classrooms, there is an atmosphere of excitement, exploration, discovery and imaginative play. Well-structured and intentional lesson plans provide opportunity for children to build mathematical and scientific knowledge, concepts and skills as a foundation for future-related competence. Teachers provide guidance, support and information to parents in aspects of preschool development by providing strong daily communication supported by weekly photos and videos of children engaging, strategizing, collaborating and participating in classroom activities. Good morning to you all. I am Amanda Morton, Executive Director of the Crater Rock Children's Centre. Your donations today will help us to continue the success of our program, which is vital to the community. We thank you for your generosity.
Thank you, Tom. The United States Civil War ended in 1865. Just six years later, on May 30th, 1871, in observance of Decoration Day, Frederick Douglass, leader, social reformer, abolitionist, orator, formerly enslaved man, visited Arlington National Cemetery and delivered the speech, The Unknown Loyal Dead. I'm going to read that speech now in its entirety, and I invite you to hear it. Friends and fellow citizens, tarry here for a moment. My words shall be few and simple. The solemn rites of this hour and place call for no lengthened speech. There is in the very air of this resting ground of the unknown dead, a silent, subtle, and all-pervading eloquence, far more touching, impressive, and thrilling than living lips have ever uttered. Into the measureless depths of every loyal soul, it is now whispering lessons of all that is precious, priceless, holiest, and most enduring in human existence. Dark and sad will be the hour to this nation when it forgets to pay grateful homage to its greatest benefactors. The offering we bring today is due alike to the patriot soldiers dead and their noble comrades who still live. For whether living or dead, whether in time or eternity, the loyal soldiers who imperiled all for country and freedom are one and inseparable. Those unknown heroes whose whitened bones have been piously gathered here and whose green graves we now strew with sweet and beautiful flowers, choice emblems alike of pure hearts and brave spirits, reached in their glorious career that last highest point of nobleness beyond which human power cannot go. They died for their country. No loftier tribute can be paid to the most illustrious of all the benefactors of mankind than we pay to these unrecognized soldiers when we write above their graves this shining epitaph. When the dark and vengeful spirit of slavery, always ambitious, preferring to rule in hell than to serve in heaven, fired the southern heart and stirred all the malign elements of discord. When our great republic, the hope of freedom and self-government throughout the world, had reached the point of supreme peril, when the union of these states was torn and rent asunder at the center and the armies of a gigantic rebellion came forth with broad blades and bloody hands to destroy the very foundations of American society, the unknown braves who flung themselves into the yawning chasm where cannon roared and bullets whistled, fought and fell. They died for their country. We are sometimes asked in the name of patriotism to forget the merits of this fearful struggle and to remember with equal admiration those who struck at the nation's life and those who struck to save it. 
those who fought for slavery and those who fought for liberty and justice. I am no minister of malice. I would not strike the fallen. I would not repel the repentant. But may my right hand forget her cunning and my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth if I forget the difference between the parties to that terrible, protracted, and bloodied conflict. If we ought to forget a war which has filled our land with widows and orphans, which has made stumps of men of the very flower of our youth, which has sent them on the journey of life armless, legless, maimed, and mutilated, which has piled up a debt heavier than a mountain of gold, swept uncounted thousands of men into bloody graves, and planted agony at a million hearthstones. I say, if this war is to be forgotten, I ask in the name of all things sacred, what shall we remember? The essence and significance of our devotions here today are not to be found in the fact that the men whose remains filled these graves were brave in battle. If we met simply to show our sense of bravery, we should find enough on both sides to kindle admiration. In the raging storm of fire and blood, in the fierce torrent of shot and shell, of sword and bayonet, whether on foot or on horse, unflinching courage marked the rebel no less than the loyal soldier. But we are not here to applaud manly courage, save as it has been displayed in a noble cause. We must never forget that victory to the rebellion meant death to the republic. We must never forget that the loyal soldiers who rest beneath this sod flung themselves between the nation and the nation's destroyers. If today we have a country not boiling in an agony of blood like France, if now we have a united country, no longer cursed by the hell-black system of human bondage, if the American name is no longer a byword and a hissing to a mocking earth, if the star-spangled banner floats only over free American citizens in every quarter of the land, and our country has before it a long and glorious career of justice, liberty, and civilization, we are indebted to the unselfish devotion of the noble army who rest in these honored graves all around us. Thus ends Frederick Douglass's speech. We're not ready to sing yet, Graham and Tom. <laughs> This Memorial Day weekend, we honor those who have died in U.S. wars. We remember the more than 600,000 who died in the Civil War, more than 100,000 in World War I, more than 400,000 in World War II, nearly 55,000 in the Korean War, nearly 60,000 in the Vietnam War, more than 1,500 in the first Iraq war, 
2,400 and counting in Afghanistan, almost 4,500 in the second Iraq war. We remember the thousands of service members who have died by suicide after leaving the armed forces. And we remember the 18 US service members killed in the last year, just since Memorial Day of 2020. We do a roll call in worship, many congregations do, and we will this morning, reminding us that these are not nameless people who serve. So now you will see those 18 names compiled by the online publication Military Times in the chat. And now you are invited to enter other names in the chat, names of your beloved ones, fallen comrades, grandparents, parents, siblings, children, spouses and partners, mentors and friends. We honor their names, their memory, their service. You may continue to enter names as they come to you, but now let us bless these memories with our own voices as Tom now leads us in singing Circle Round for Freedom. We'll sing it twice through. Please join me in singing 155, Circle Round for Freedom. Here's the melody. Frederick Douglass, in that Decoration Day speech from 150 years ago today, it was May 30th. 
He said, we are not here to applaud manly courage. We must never forget that victory to the rebellion meant death to the Republic. We must never forget that the loyal soldiers who rest beneath this sod flung themselves between the nation and the nation's destroyers. If today the star-spangled banner floats only over free American citizens in every quarter of the land, and our country has before it a long and glorious career of justice, liberty, and civilization, we are indebted to the unselfish devotion of the noble army who rest in these honored graves all around us. Until a month ago, I had never read that Frederick Douglass speech. I've read it multiple times in recent weeks though, and with each reading, I'm more impressed with it, with its wisdom and fervor. I'm also more discouraged each time I read it discouraged by our failure to live into Douglas's vision. This man, a black man born into slavery here in Maryland, a leader of the abolition movement, spoke on that day with the confidence that the recent war had saved the Republic, had ensured a future of justice, liberty, and civilization. He believed that every person on this nation's land would be free. Memorial Day is not to be celebrated, wrote Unitarian Universalist Army Chaplain George Tiger. It is to be observed, scrutinized, witnessed. This year, I'm really feeling that admonition. Memorial Day is not to be celebrated. This year, as we witness again and again without ceasing the ways that not all United States citizens, much less residents, experience true freedom and justice on this land, despite the outcome of that civil war. This year, as our U.S. service members are pulled out of Afghanistan and attention is given to the long-term traumatic impact for those deployed in that conflict. This year, as we witness armed conflicts around the world, perhaps not even involving U.S. service members, but involving our human siblings. This year, as I continue to learn more and more about the stories about this land of the free that I was never taught in my whitewashed history classes, Stories I've not sought out on my own in my adult life. Stories like the ones about Asian and Pacific Americans that Valerie shared in worship on May 9th. Stories about how freed slaves in Charleston, South Carolina, likely were the first to observe a sort of decoration day or memorial day after the Civil War. Even though theirs is not the story we're usually told. But in 1865, they gave proper burial to Union soldiers who had died while being held prisoner there in Charleston. And 10,000 people, most of them formerly enslaved people, now free, participated in that Charleston commemoration. Memorial Day is not to be celebrated. It is to be observed, scrutinized, witnessed. 
we do not celebrate the war dead, but we do honor them. We honor their memory. And we acknowledge too, without superficial sentiment, the realities that draw people into service. We acknowledge that the military is one of the most racially, ethnically, religiously diverse bodies of people in this nation. We acknowledge those who serve not because they have romanticized combat, but because the military provides security and education and health care and certain employment for the long term. I have such nostalgic memories of this holiday in years past, of a long weekend and family cookouts and patriotic music and neighborhood parades. It was the beginning of summer. America is beautiful and free. We celebrate. But I did not know a single family member who had served and died. We did not talk about the armed conflicts that were still underway, the soldiers still dying. There was no discussion of the realities, the horrors of war on our Memorial Day weekends. Another Unitarian Universalist military chaplain, David Pyle, wrote that the true meaning of Memorial Day is to remember. It is to remember that the cost of war is almost always too high. The true meaning of Memorial Day is not to honor our dead, but to remember the price they paid, to remember the price their families pay, to remember the physical and psychic wounds that the survivors of war on all sides carry with them till the end of their days, to remember the lives never lived, to remember the horrors unleashed upon civilian populations by the tools of modern warfare, to remember the losses to our national image and innocence, to remember the loss of possibility, to remember. I want to cease thinking of Memorial Day as if it were a holiday, he says. It is not. May the grief of remembering, says Chaplain Tiger, create in us a yearning for peace that will stir us to action. This Memorial Day, we do honor those who have died in military service, and we recommit ourselves to act for a real peace among neighbors and nations, dreaming, yearning, working for a world in which the military might someday serve only to protect a lasting peace. May it be so. Amen. Please join me in singing hymn 148, Let Freedom Span Both East and West. Oh uh -huh.
Thank you, Tom. Now we're going to take a few minutes to honor the sorrows and the joys that have been shared this morning. If you have pebbles and water, you're invited to participate in the ritual of placing one pebble to represent one life and one story into our communal bowl of water as we honor the ways that our lives ripple out and touch one another. And one last pebble, this is for you, whoever you are and whatever you're holding in your heart, may you be held in love, in prayer. Will you please now join me for a few moments of reflection and prayer and silence. We pause in honor and in memory, holding among us the names of all of those that have been shared this morning, who have served, who have served and died in the military. We offer healing, 
healing wishes, healing prayers to those who are facing treatment. May they have the best medical care possible and may healing come. We honor those who are grieving loss, whether sudden or expected, families are now changing shape and missing a core part of who they are. We celebrate graduations and returns home and anniversaries. For all that is our life, we give our thanks and praise as the hymn goes. May we be grateful. May we tenderly care for one another. And may we live with courage in service of peace. Let us share just a moment of silence and stillness that each of us might tend to the prayers within us. Blessed be. Amen. Jenna Rose, and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. Memorial Day Prayer by Barbara Peskin. Spirit of life, whom we have called by many names in thanksgiving and in anguish, 
bless the poets and those who mourn. Send peace for the soldiers who did not make the wars, but whose lives were consumed by them. Let strong trees grow above graves far from home. Breathe through the arms of their branches. The earth will swallow your tears while the dead sing. No more, never again, remember me. For the wounded ones and those who received them back, let there be someone ready when the memories come, when the scars pull and the buried metal moves, and forgiveness for those of us who are not there for our ignorance. And in us, veterans in a forest of a thousand fallen promises, let new leaves of protest grow on our stumps. Give us courage to answer the cry of humanity's pain. And with our bare hands, out of full hearts, with all our intelligence, let us create the peace. Amen. Thank you, Jenna. Be well, UUCC. We'll see you next time.